unwrapping the message on the mount. And it's the, you, you may be seated. Sorry to keep you standing. It's uh, the, the Beatitudes, and, and it's things me and you need to be if we're going to be Christ-like. There's some things we have to work on and, and continue to get better at. And, and tonight is one of those, if you're anything like me, I wish I could be sitting on the front row and someone else teaching this lesson to me. It's, it's Matthew 5, 5, and it simply says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So yes, I wish someone else was up here and I was getting this lesson taught to me because I know this is an area I have grown in, but I got a lot more work to do. I remember <laughs> a pastor one time sitting me down saying, dude, you can get a lot more out of people if you weren't so mean. <laughs> you talk about humbling. I was like, uh, uh, oh, 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 me. So an area I need to work in and being meek. And, and we're going to look into what meek really means and, and, and what it's all about. But, but, but the scripture says, blessed are the meek. This word blessed, we understand and we know it means happy. So the, the writer is now telling us there's a happiness that comes to the child of God who has developed a meek and a gentle spirit within himself. If you struggle to be happy, maybe it's time to take inventory. How is your meekness? Is it an area that you know, like me, we need to work on and be better at? Perhaps in this Matthew 5, 5, perhaps here more than any other time we see the difference between what man thinks and what God thinks. You see in Luke 16, 15, and he said unto them, ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows our heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So when we think of conquering the earth, what kind of person do, do, would you envision? Would you think of someone like an Alexander the Great who conquered the, the Eastern Mediterranean, Egypt, the Middle East, and parts of Asia in such a remarkably short time? Would you think of that as a great conqueror? What about Napoleon who institu instituted several lasting Reforms from centralized administration of government to a higher education system, uh, a central bank, law codes, roads, and hallelujah, sewer systems. If you've ever had to use a porta potty, you'll be thankful for a sewer system. And many of these, these reforms are still in place today. I work construction, so I know all about a porta potty. It's miserable in July. And it's 100 degrees outside. Maybe you think of a Hitler. Let's move on. Uh, but maybe you think of a Hitler whose, whose actions changed the course of the world. The, man's concepts of, uh, the con man's concept of a conquering person would be someone who has a driving ambition for power and will, let, will not let anyone or anything stand in their way of reaching their goals. The, cor the corporate world holds in admiration the self-made 
man, as well as many of us do too. It's cool to hear those stories of the self-made millionaire or the self-made success. They came from nothing and they're very successful. Those people whose heads may be bloody, but they're unbowed. Those people just have a drive to be the best they can be. But this Matthew 5, 5, when it says, the earth inherited by the meek. How contrasted is this to the world's view? We think of powerful men and women. We think they should inherit the earth. They should take over. Those who are aggressive and assertive. This concept of the meek inheriting the earth. It's foreign to us as well. And in this time, in Matthew, it was foreign to the Jews. The Jews at this time, they, they were looking for a Messiah to, to lead them and overthrow Rome. They thought of conquering someone that was going to conquer the world. It was going to be done through military power. Matthew was writing to the Jews, and right at the beginning, he is showing them that their concept of the Messiah was off. They had it all wrong from the get-go. So Jesus wanted to set the record straight right from the very beginning. So if, if we're going to look at meekness, we, if we're going to be meek in our spirit and in our attitude, we, we must understand and know what it is. And there, there's, we couldn't even begin to get into what meekness truly looks like. For each of us, it will be a little different. But there's some main things that jumped out at me when I began to open up and get into this. Meekness, first and foremost, is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. You, you think of the martyrs. They weren't weak people. They stood for what they believed. And, 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 and let's just be honest. You and I, if we're going to be successful Christians in this day and age, there will not be a weak Christian that stands. We, we are bombarded day in and day out with things that are thrown in our face that we know are contrary to the word of God, that we know go way against our beliefs and our standards. So let's just be honest. We're, we can't be weak people if we're going to be successful Christ-like Christians. So meekness is not weakness. Please do not get it wrong. Meekness is power under control. Very much so. I, when Sister Bailey, when I, when I was putting this, I was like, oh, that is really good. Uh, and that, I, it was not my, I, 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 pulled, I pulled that off someone else's sermon, just so you know. I'm not sitting there saying that, oh, I did really good. I thought of that. No, I did not. <laughs> I was reading something, and that's what he had said. So meekness is power under control. Meekness is self-control rooted in the confidence that God is in control. In other words, calm down. Quit getting so worked up about every situation and every trial. Relax. God is in control. What's the problem? We want to try to fix everything ourselves. We want to rush God's timing. It's not happening right now, so let me get my hands involved. And then guess what? We get involved and we mess it all up. Meekness, self-control, 
rooted in confidence that God is in control. Meekness is, it, it's not a natural quality. It's, it's not something that you and I are going to be born with. You see, dogs are born good and bad, sweet and mean. And if you've ever had dogs, I've had dogs my whole life. There's just some dogs that just straight mean. It's, it's, in, it's how they were born. But you and I, guess what? We're not going to be born meek. It's going to be something you're going to have to work at. It's going to be, be something that you think about and concentrate on and make sure you are being Christ-like in these areas and pray about. Uh, you, we're just plain sinners, right? Romans 8 and 7 says, For the sinful nature is always hostile toward God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Y'all, we got to work if we're going to be meek. We're not going to just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm a meek person. Ain't going to happen. Meekness is produced by the Spirit of God. We see this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And against such, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, it's a package deal, y'all. We don't get to pick one or two and say, oh, I got the fruit of the Spirit. It's a package deal. When we truly get a hold of the fruit of the Spirit and it operates in our life, every area of our life will change. We're going to operate in every one of these different fruits. We're going to be joyful and peaceful and long-suffering and gentle and meek, all in temperance, all at the same time. It is a packaged deal. The man who is meek, is not proud of himself. He is not arrogant or demanding. Some of us fathers are like, oh, Jesus help me. He does not assert himself or demand his rights. We're talking about meekness. <laughs> the man, and I'm saying, man, ladies, you're not excluded from this. I should have said the person, I'm sorry. It just, how it came out. It ain't just a guy's sermon tonight. It's for every one of us. The person who is meek is not sensitive about themselves. He is not always on the defensive. He is not always on the defensive. I know in some of our leadership training we've done, we... We do a, a lesson on emotional intelligence. And, and, and in this lesson, one of the things we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pick three, four, or five people and, and people you trust and that you highly respect and ask them the question, what is it like on the other side of me? And if you've ever done that, it's humbling. And one of the, the rules of that is you can't say nothing. You cannot defend yourself. And that is one of the hardest things to do. They tell you something that you don't like. And our first instinct is, well, let me explain what. And they're like, no, uh, uh, shut up. Uh, uh. You're supposed to just listen. So <laughs> being a meek person will help you just, okay, that's an area I can work on. That's an area I can work on. That's an area I can work on. 
And if you were like me, it was a whole lot of areas that I needed to work on. When we're meek people, we don't have to defend ourselves because we realize there's nothing worth defending. We are who we are only because of Jesus Christ. There's nothing good in us outside of Jesus Christ, right? So when we truly get a hold of that revelation, there's no reason to try to defend yourself because we are just sinners without Jesus Christ. We are sinners saved by grace. It's a revelation we have to come to that, hey, without Jesus, we know we're nothing. There's no reason to defend ourselves because we are nothing without him. (laughs) I've heard it said, if you wish to defend yourself, the Lord will let you. And I'm telling you, if we would let Jesus defend us, he'll do a much better job than we ever could. A meek person, they never pity themselves or feel sorry for themselves. (laughs) We have to come to the realization that we have so much more than we could ever possibly deserve. The one with the least in this place with Jesus Christ we got were some of the richest people in the world. You and I have way more than we could ever deserve. We were never good enough to earn Jesus' grace and mercy. We were never good enough to earn the Holy Ghost. It's only by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. So there's no reason to pity yourself. There's no reason to feel sorry for yourself. Yes, do trials come? Yes, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody's gonna go through trials. Don't pity yourself, pray for somebody because guess what? Your neighbor's probably going through the same thing or something worse. A meek person's not gonna pity himself. Meek person's going to look to the neighbor, grab their hand, and say, let's walk through this together. Self-pity is such a curse. There's nothing good about self-pity. Nothing good comes out of it, y'all. The Greek word, and I'm going to just destroy this because my English is terrible anyway, so now I'm going to try to say a Greek word. This is a mistake. But it's 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 pras, P-R-A-U-S. Um, that's the Greek word that they translate for meek. And, and, and that translation, how, how the Greek would have used it was, it's someone that's in the middle of the road between two extremes. So you have a free spender like me, and you have a penny pincher like my wife. We got to get somewhere in the middle, somewhere in there's the perfect meek person. Uh, someone with excessive anger and someone with no passion at all. Somewhere in the middle, you'll find a good meek person. This, this, this word, this Greek word is, is, is used to describe a domesticated animal, an animal who has learned to accept control. That would be a meek person, a God-controlled life, a God-controlled life. That's the Greek explanation of this word meek. What is a meek person? If we were to look biblically, I have a few examples. Moses was one of the meekest men 
in all the earth. We recognize Moses as one of the greatest leaders in history. He stood before Pharaoh and demanded to let the people go, the Israelites go. When they were speaking of Moses being meek, it was told at a time when his older sister Miriam and Aaron were speaking against him. And yet the Bible says this was a meek man. Why would that be? What was he showing during that time? How do you and I act when your sister, your brother, begin to speak against you? We want to fight, right? <laughs> you want to go confront them. What you talking about? How do you know? What? Not Moses. Moses just simply let it ride. Let Jesus work through this. Moses was a meek man. We remember when, when Moses, is, his leadership was being challenged by Korah. Rather than exercising his authority over them at that time, he could have got his army together and he could have just started uh, uh, destroying them, cutting them up, chopping some heads off, doing what he needed to do to get rid of these people rising up against him. But he didn't. He exercised this, 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 this self-control to say, hey, God's in control. I'm just going to let him take care of it. And what did God do? God took care of the situation. It's so much better when we let God take care of the situation. When we begin to put our human hands and our human thoughts into it, we just mess it up. But if we would just learn to let God handle our situations, I'm telling you, we're going to come out on top. But Moses was a very meek person, and he exercised it during this time. We see that meekness is compatible with great leadership. If you find a great leader, you're usually going to find someone who, who exercises meekness and that spirit of meekness. Abraham, they say, was a meek man. We see it in the Bible. And yet he was a great man. His meekness was demonstrated in his relationship with his young nephew, Lot. At that time, he was the older. He should have been the one to pick which way he wanted to go. And yet he turned it over to Lot and says, hey, you go ahead and pick. Which way do you want to go? And we understand that Lot went one way. And Abraham went the other. And Abraham could have said, wait, 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 wait a minute. That, that's greener over there. That's better. I'm older. I should be over there. And he didn't do that. He simply just gave Lot permission. You pick. Do what you need to do. And then he went on about his business. And we know the rest of the story, how God blessed him, took care of him. He was not self-assertive. He could have been. He could have said, hey, I, I'm the oldest. I'm leading. I'm going to make the decision, and he didn't do that. He simply said, go ahead, Lot, you, you decide, and I'll take what's left. But we know, we know Moses was still, he, he, he was, he was self-assertive when, when it called for that. Normally, it wasn't a, a, an area that he, he, he exercised often. At times, Moses was pretty laid back and calm, but, but there was times when he needed to be assertive. There was times he needed to be a little more aggressive and not what we would tend to be say as weak and he put an army together to go and rescue his nephew lot so there's times that um, uh, abraham did what he needed to do he wasn't just always being passive and you decide and, and 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 i won't say nothing here you you make your decisions he simply said there's times that i'm going to put my boots on and i'm going to stand for what's right and i'm going to have to take care of business abraham did that at times we see that Meekness is compatible with great courage, as Abraham showed. David was a very meek man. In his relationship while he was pursuing Saul, 
uh, when he was running from Saul as Saul was pursuing to kill him, David showed great meekness. He spared Saul's life when he had the power to destroy him. There again, he was exercising power under control. David showed meekness. David knew that God had chosen him to be the king. Samuel the prophet had anointed him, yet he did. David did nothing to seize the throne from Saul. He was patient and he waited for God's perfect time. We'll see over and over and over again. If we just let God be God of our lives, y'all, we're going to be okay. We are going to be successful. I've said it multiple times, but the, the human nature, we want to fix everything now. We want everything done now. We don't want to keep going through trials, and we don't want to have to keep battling and keep struggling. We want sunshine in every day and 70 degrees, right? We want life perfect, but that's not going to happen. We're not getting that. We'll get that someday in heaven, but now while we're on this earth, you ain't getting it. So you might as well just get used to the fact that we are going to face trials. We're going to face struggles. Life is not going to be perfect. Let's just put on a spirit of meekness, face it with the attitude that God is in control. I will do my best to get through the situation holding God's hand and let God be God of every situation. David was a mighty man of war. He defeated many armies. He brought Israel to new heights of glory and possessions. He was fearless in battle, yet David was a meek man. Meekness is compatible with great strength as well. Gideon, we know he was a very meek man. His objection to the call of God to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites in Judges 6.15. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. But yet, he said yes to the call. And Gideon with 300 men defeated a numberless army of the Midianites. When the people wanted to make Gideon king after this great victory, Judges 8, 23, you would see. But Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you, but the Lord shall rule over you. Meekness is compatible with bravery. In other words, Gideon was saying, hey, look, I, I, I didn't do this. God did this. Let's let God be God of the situation. God just used me. I stepped in. I filled a role, but it was God. But yet, Gideon showed great bravery. And then Jesus, our last example of who or what meekness looks like, to me is one of our greatest examples of meekness. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus in the garden, he's, 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 he takes his disciples to pray. And three times, I think it is, they come back and, and they've fallen asleep. And, and, and he's, 
in the flesh side of things, you know he's angry. You know he's upset. He's getting ready to face this extreme trial. He's getting ready to go to a cross, and all he asked for is some of his closest friends just to pray for one hour with him, and they could not do that. So Jesus could have got real angry. He could have said some real mean things. He could have sent them on their way, yet he didn't. He exercised self-control, let them sleep after the third time, and went on and prayed where it says that his sweat was as great drops of blood. Jesus showed great meekness. This time in the garden was a notable example of self-control rooted in the fact that God was in control. On the cross, Jesus is fixing to take his last few breaths. And at any moment during that time, he could have called a legion of angels to wipe Everyone that was there off the face of the earth, at any moment he could have called angels to save him from the cross, yet he didn't. He showed power under control. He took the cross upon him for you and I, that someday we would have a chance at salvation. Jesus was a great example of meekness. What does the Bible say about the meek? The Bible says it's related to Lowliness. Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and heart. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another. Meekness is also related to gentleness. 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence and based among you, but being absent, I am bold towards you. Titus 3 and 2, to speak evil of no man, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Gentleness is related to meekness. The reward of meekness. The reward of meekness. Matthew 5, 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. So what does this mean? Let's not all run out of this place tonight and stake a claim on some private land that is not yours and say, God is giving me this land. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna go to jail. And I'm asking you, don't say you go to our church. Please. Please. Say you're the pastor of your church and the church is called crazy. That's not what it's meaning. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I wish I could go out and claim me about 500 acres of all timber so I could deer hunt when I wanted. Hallelujah. That would be heavenly. But that's not what this scripture is meaning. Very simply, what the Lord is referring to here is naturally the land of, of Canaan. That was the promised land. The Israelites were promised some land, right? And, 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 and there was... There was some struggles along the way, and, and they spent 40 years wandering in 
the wilderness. Why? Why? They had a promised land of Canaan. They had this, this land where milk and honey, and, and we've heard the stories all, all our life, and this great land. They were promised it. What happened? What got in the way? What took them uh, 40 years to, oh, I wish I could remember what the actual, the actual distance was. Oh, it was short. Let's just say a year. I don't even believe it was a year's journey. But that trip took them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. In a promised land, a reward, an inherited land. 40 years of wandering. Why? Because they couldn't get it right. They were complaining against the leaders every time you turned around. It, it, when you read through the story, it was like they were backsliding every other week. The Israelites just couldn't figure it out. It's just they couldn't learn to trust that God was in control. They couldn't learn to trust the man of God that was leading them. Let's not make those same mistakes Y'all, let's just trust that God is in control. Trust the man of God that's leading us along this journey. And someday we will celebrate in a promised land with streets of gold. But why we're trying to get there, quit trying to do it all on our own. Would we let Jesus lead our lives? So the, 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 the natural side of it was there was a promised land for, for the children of Israel. It was Canaan. Yes, in that promised land, there was some giants. There was some things that they were going to have. It wasn't just all sunshine and roses. You realize that? When they, when they got to the promised land, there was wars that had to be had. There were some fights that went down. You and I, that should tell you and I today, even serving Jesus with the greatest life we can have, there's going to be some things we're going to have to go through. There's going to be some fights we're going to have to fight. There's going to be some times that we can't be weak, but we need to be meek. Spiritually, he was referring to the kingdom of God on this earth. Remember, the, the, the kingdom of God has a present and a future aspect. Let's talk future. Future inheritance will be streets of gold. Future inheritance will be gates of pearls, walls of jasper, the tree of life, the crystal sea, a mansion for you and I. Eternity in his presence. That right there, we can stop. We can stop at that mo moment right there. I don't need another promise that the day I get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ is the day I have made it. It's, it's all been worth it. Every trial I've ever went through, every struggle I've ever had to face on that day that I get to spend the rest of my life in the presence of Jesus Christ, it will be worth it. There's nothing else you need to tell me. I don't need a mansion. I don't need streets of gold. I don't need a pearly gate. I don't need a tree of life. Those are going to be good. But the day we get to see Jesus face to face, we'll be able to say it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Every heartache, every trial, it's all worth it on that day. The presence of Jesus. Oh. The lion laying down with the lamb. No need for a sun or a moon because he is the light. No sickness 
Won't you be thankful for that day where there's no more sickness, there's no more cancer taking our loved ones. It'll all be over on that day. No more disease, no more pain, no more death. That's the future promise. That's the inheritance you and I get. If we can put this thing together, these beatitudes together, if we can accept Jesus, if we can live a life that's pleasing to him, that is the future promise for you and I. What a place that will be. And the only thing that's going to make it complete is if every one of you are there with me. So just hang on. Just hang on. Keep fighting. Keep plugging along the way. Keep trusting that God's got you. But in the meantime, what's the promise for us here while we're still battling? What's the promise here while we're still living for Jesus, while we're still on this earth? You see, for those that have progressed in their recognition of their condition, in other words, knowing that you and I are just sinners saved by grace, and to those that can practice meekness and gentleness effectively in our spirits, we will experience the presence, the present kingdom of God here on this earth. The relief of repentance. Aren't you thankful for repentance? Aren't you thankful that we have a place that we can just give it all to Jesus? I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. I need repentance in my life every single day. We get right here on this earth, we get the cleansing of baptism. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for baptism? Uh, at times I, I think about baptism and, and I, I can't even wrap my head around it. You, you, you go down in this water, a dirty, rotten center. So many mistakes of your past. And you go down in this water, and it has nothing to do with the water. It has everything to do with the name that's being proclaimed over your life. But you can go down in this water, this, this person, I'll speak for myself, so full of mistakes, so full of failures. And you're baptized, and you come out of that water a brand new creature. Your old sin is passed away. The old man is no longer remembered. See, we will remember some of those mistakes, but Jesus won't ever remember one of those mistakes. How amazing is the cleansing of baptism in our lives? We get to experience that. That is a promise of our inheritance while we're still here on earth. The joy of the Holy Ghost, you and I. That is a promise for you and I today. That is an inheritance we get today. The joy of the Holy Ghost. If you have not received the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, it's something you want to do. It is something you want to receive. 
If you have questions about it, please come talk to us. We will get you in a Bible study. And if you don't want a Bible study, that's okay. We'll go eat lunch together and just talk about the amazing thing, this, this amazing thing called the Holy Ghost. I'm good with that too. But come talk to us. We would love to explain repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We would love to explain it because I'm telling you, it's the greatest experience you will ever have. And we get that. That is a promise for you and I right here on this earth. You see, we get right here, we're in the kingdom of God on earth, the peace that passes all understanding. That's a promise for you and I. That means when our world is being turned upside down, we can walk in peace and not anxiety. That's a promise from Jesus Christ. We get the promise of having all of our needs met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You and I, that's a promise we get today. See, we get the promise of a great high priest that knows and is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. You and I, that's a promise we get today while we're here on this earth. And we get the blessed hope of the soon appearing of Jesus Christ to take us home someday. That is the promise while we're still on this earth. There's a future promise. There's a future promise of heaven someday that is gonna be marvelous. But while we're on this earth, we're not left out here. Jesus has promised so many things for us. And I close with a few scriptures. Psalms twenty two twenty six. the meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Psalms 25 and 9, the meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his ways. Psalms 37 and 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalms 147 and 6, the Lord lifteth, lifteth up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. You want Jesus to lift you up? Become a meek person. Let that be an attitude that resides within you. Isaiah 11 and 4, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Isaiah 29, 19, and you can stand with me. I'm getting ready to close. The meek also shall increase their joy in the land, and the poor among the and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Zephaniah 2 and 3. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So I challenge each and every one of us today to seek meekness and seek righteousness.
I want to be Christ-like in every area of my life. I want to be the best image of Jesus Christ that I could possibly be. I know the last couple weeks, these Beatitudes have challenged me. And if every one of us are honest, they've challenged every one of us. We, we're, we're flesh, we're human, we go through life. And a lot of times it's just to get through the day. We, we talked about this in a, in, a, in a meeting last night that if we're gonna be true disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to be intentional about our day. And too many times we will just go through life to get through. I know I got to get this done today. I know I got this meeting. I know we have this to do with the kids. I know we have this. And we just, we're just so focused on just getting through life. And along the way, we're impatient. We're full of anxiety. We're, we have road rage. We want to choke the guy in front of us who's going five miles below the speed limit or the guy who cut us off. But we're just getting through life because we're not being intentional about our days. With these Beatitudes, we have to be intentional every single day, especially with meekness. It's not going to be something that you just wake up and it's an attitude you exercise. You must be intentional about a meek and gentle spirit. So as we close, let's just right from our seats, I'm asking you just to take a minute. Self-inventory. How's your meekness meter? How's your gentleness meter? How was your day today? Did you exercise self-control? Did you exercise power under control? Or were you angry? Were you so full of anxiety? How was your day? But today you can leave this place with an attitude of meekness and a spirit of refreshing before you walk out those doors. Would you pray just, just for a moment? Would you pray with me? Father, I love you.